The Trail Bride, Chapter 3 Attempt to Trade? She dangled the boots by the laces from her fingers, the heavy weight of them turning the flesh of her digits swollen red as she walked. Her first proposal barely was one, more of a cluster of muttering, and she had been on the receiving end of it. Her friend Jess got married a week prior to her engagement, and the mister had always had a soft eye for Jess. It wasn't until the party afterwards, where he was drunk and sober, softer in the eyes, did he want to dance with Ray. It only took a few days for him to drag out an offer like a musty old suit he didn't want to wear. But marrying was cheaper than renting in the boarding house, and she could probably control how his farmstead smelled when she was in charge of it, unlike the shared rooms with oily wallpaper. Mornings after she wed, she would sit in the kitchen while he went out to, into the fields, breathing serenely what some woman would call satisfaction, and she would call clean lungs. Marriage wasn't bad. She'd done plenty worse work since she was a little thing. It was a slight improvement, which she took with gratitude. Marriage was just work. Ray was never usually afraid of work. She didn't realize she'd been dragging her feet until she'd pulled up to Solo's wagon in a cloud of dust, where he was quietly eating his supper, looking wary of her. This was the only time she could do this before she lost her nerve. Camp was lazy with rest at sundown. Quiet enough she could express herself fully before dark became too intimate. She positioned herself between him and the setting sun, so she had to squint to look so he had to squint to look at her, so she wasn't easy to side up size up. What size boot are you? He looked at the shoes dangling, hanging from her, and then kicked up one leg, his plate still on his lap, with a, f with a foot that immediately showed that they would never fit him. She chewed her lip. That was all she had to trade with that he might need. Stuff them with newspaper until they fit you, he suggested. I have no use for them. I don't see why you can't have new boots. She looked at her shoes. Her husband had not thought of buying them for her in their hasty departure. She assumed that the walking was what made her feet ache, but perhaps they were old boots even before three weeks of walking. Now they were held to her feet by the laces at her ankles, split in places, worn thin. He nodded at her as if that was goodbye. Mrs. Nima, I have a proposition for you. She wished she could smile at him like the man who sold her and her husband the wagon, or the friend of hers that was married a week before her husband begrudgingly folded and proposed to Ray. But she could not easily soften herself. It wasn't in her blood. Solo's eyes slid, up, slid nervously up from the boots in her hand to her face. He stopped chewing, pausing for her to speak her mind plainly. Her stomach churned. At least he didn't have the hat on she could see his face but he looked so nervous she might have an easier time talking to a hat. I'm not one for flowery language, and in the position we're in, I do not find it would suit. I have found myself on this journey stranded, without a husband, and before that I was stranded on this journey with a husband who was a fool. I would not like to return to that place by merely swapping one fool for another. His eyebrows were up in confusion. For some reason... When she looked at his face, she heard the sound of a kettle whistling in her head, high and clear and anxious. She realized suddenly that she forgot to roll down her sleeves for this. 
She looked ready to do laundry, not gather up a proposal. Too informal again for these men. As careful as she was, she was never prepared for them. He still waited silently. I'm a hard worker. I have some schooling and had retested for a teaching certificate before our departure. With that, I can seek employment when we reach California. I solve more trouble than I make. I don't eat much or take up much space. I'm quiet and I... He set his plate down on the seat next to him. What is this about? Ray bit her tongue, trying not to let a heady flush overtake her. This was humiliating. It was, But it was better than Huck's. I am making you an offer. I have no male relatives here on the trail or even living elsewhere on this earth to make arrangements for me, so I must act for myself. I'm sure that most men would like to have their affairs out west in order before taking a wife, and I know your first choice would not be some other man's widow, but I'm more useful than I look. Why? His voice was raspy. Why are you asking me? Hux made me in marriage of offer of marriage. At this, he snorted at her, which was a bit rude when she was frankly discussing her own personal affairs with him. And you'd throw yourself away. There was a bit of relief to have another party confirm that her feelings on Hux were accurate. Finn, now solo too, but still, Ben had not accepted her, and looked more dubious toward her now than anything else. She did not feel out of the woods yet. Her cheeks flamed. It may be funny to an outsider, but the hopelessness of her situation blossomed into an acute fear. I'm exploring my options. He seemed dismissive of this information only seconds ago, but his eyes narrowed, then widened, stupefied. You were going to offer me a pair of boots to marry you? They weren't a pair of boots. They were his boots. For the first time, genuine grief gripped at her tight. It was hardly a love match, but it was the person she ate meals with, and slept beside, and worked with in a partnership for the past two years of her life. Solo could sneer at his boots all he wanted, the boots of a damn fool, and she even she knew it, but this was her life. Maybe that's why the first proposal she had just accepted. Men like Solo could wait. He was clearly a decade older than her, and he had waited for whatever reason, and that worked fine for him. Women, it was not in the contract to wait for more than a season, more than a few years, more than was necessary to make a good match. She had waited, honestly, with Jess being the last of her friends from school married. She waited longer than anyone thought was a good idea. Nima had a solid claim, a charming smile. She was hardly in the circumstance for the right one, especially now. She felt foolish and sentimental, but the boots were meant to be the opening offer. The rest of her worldly possessions would obviously come with her if they were married. She nodded, arms crossed. The muscles of her arms flexed in front of her, and she tried not to shrink them away when she realized she'd tanned dark in the past few weeks. It wasn't considered pretty, especially the muscles, and while appearing so was low on her list of priorities, she was trying to coax this man to want her. With a dead man's boots. He considered her carefully. He didn't seem to take notice of the browned skin of her arms, but it still chilled her. Back then, she was pale and slender, 
Back then, she wasn't so muscular. She wasn't as cynical or cold. Wasn't so mean. Back then, time didn't feel as precious as it does now, even when she needs desperately to be careful with it. She felt more at ease with these things, assured, and did not know how to go into the business of being wanted. This is where she felt most stranded. Not out on the trail, but here. The stallion's worth something. There, he sounded tempted. And though she came here to barter, it still felt like a slap in the face. I want to sell that stallion in the next town, she saw her jaw defiantly. And he throws anyway, so I'd better get him off my hands. He killed my husband, she wanted to say. But she figured implying it would be enough for anyone who was not a complete idiot. I can ride him. It's dangerous. Solo shook his head. It's not the horse's fault. You just now have to know how to master him. Again, his insistence that it wasn't all that hard hit her, hit like a punch in the gut. Maybe not sentiment, but pride and her damn fool husband getting his neck broken by being unfit for such a powerful horse. It was quite the insult to injury, the injury the man died for of. Still, even at the beat, if her heart beat, she would not show it. She would not cry in front of him. Solo noticed as much pass over her face. He sobered significantly. I do not want a second husband dying the same way. But at that point, I would deserve it if I let it happen again. He went back to his food, his head bowed. You've already proven that you're quite sufficient in the task of finding another. Ray held her breath instead of answering, instead of reacting. She, he was digging his fingers into a raw nerve, sinew, and fractured bone. His eyes lit up with something sharp, but he looked away just as quickly. Right, she said quickly, my apologies, I will withdraw... He held up a hand. You seem to be limited to the view that it is me or Hugs. Narrowed down, yes. It was his turn to cross his arms. I don't want a fool of a wife as much as you don't want a fool of a husband. Nor do I want to engage myself in a woman entertaining multiple offers. You haven't offered. But you're scouting, for one. I don't gamble, she replied coldly. And whatever game of chicken you're going to play with me is unwise. He merely shrugged. Refuse hooks. You're looking for an excuse to. Final offer. And you'll... You'll have me? I'll consider your proposal if you refuse hooks. Son of a bitch wanted to see her swerve first. She didn't like this in the slightest. But he was playing a salesman's scheme, not vying for her heart. If she refused Hux, he had more to barter with because he would become her only option. Ray knew that she was no prize, but here she was, offered up as plainly and simply as possible, and he was making it difficult. Her stomach turned at the thought of what he was making her do. Sever her other chances to make her dependent on him. She replied simply, Thank you, Mr. Solo. I'll leave you to your meal and walked away with a sense of resignation 
and finality. Thank you. Bye.